Welcome everyone. We're about to begin Be'ezes Hashem, BPJ number 61. That's Bayes Panimi, joint share, uh, share number 61. Uh, we're continuing from the last year. We talked about a graph that we put out about self-esteem, a vertical line, where the high point of the line is grandiosity, which is gaiva, which is arrogance, which is contempt for other people. Then you have on the extreme, on the bottom of the arrow, all the way down is deep shame, contempt of oneself. And then you have the middle point, where the middle point is where healthy self-esteem is. To explain a little more of the difference between the two extremes, and they're both contempt, but here's the difference, as one psychologist put it, as Terence Real related. If you have an elevator filled with people, Shame is when you get claustrophobic in the elevator and you turn green. That's shame. Grandiosity is when you're in the elevator with a lot of people, you take out a cigar, start smoking, the smoke fills the elevator and everyone else in the room turns green. Basically, it's like this. When you're grandiose, you're not the one in pain. You're causing people around you to be uncomfortable and in pain. While in shame, you're causing yourself pain. Shame is when you implode. It's an implosion when you're basically having an explosion, but it's inward. And grandiosity is an explosion, a destructive explosion turned outwards. And we, frankly, a lot of Ashiurim in Shalom Bayis was also based on an unhealthy shame and building up. and But equally important is when one has this grandiosity and arrogance or strong-mindedness to be aware that that impairs judgment. And it hurts marriages. Why? What does grandiosity do to impair judgment? Number one, it blunts empathy. Blunting empathy simply means that you are unaware of the impact of your behavior and how that impact is on having on others. You're unaware of the impact your behavior is having on others. And that is very, very destructive when you don't think on that ramification of that. And what Terence Real does, and what we should do on our own, is he calls it remedial empathy, which is like this. That before you open your mouth, before you're about to say something to somebody else, stop and take a breath, pause, and ask yourself, what is the impact of what I'm going to say? What will it have on the person who, is, who I'm speaking to? So what is the impact going to be on the person I'm speaking to by what I'm going to say? And that practice of doing that, which is doable, it's a skill. In the beginning, it'll feel unnatural and it is hard, but it becomes second nature after a while. And by the way, what we're talking about right now that could save marriages is actually a yesoid in the idea of Lashon Hara. The Sifrei Chafetz Chaim talks about this a lot, to be misbeinim before you speak. It's both built in into many of the halachas of, 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 of Sefer Chafetz Chaim in the halacha aspect, and in the Shmiras Halashim, the, the Musr 
and Chazal's Avagadita aspects, where basically you are holding back the Lashon Hara by thinking before you speak. Rapam used to talk about this a lot. Think, consider what the weight of your words will be, what your impact is going to be on the person you're speaking to. That could save marriages, that could heal marriages. A lot of marriages are falling apart not because they're not good people. They are good people, but they are still in their adaptive child mode. They have triggers from childhood that they didn't learn yet to basically take a deep breath and learn how to change that trigger or not react to that trigger. And they speak before thinking and they hurt the other person very deeply. And sometimes it could be intentional because you had a burst of anger. Sometimes you don't even realize how you're how you are reacting. And that is really a yesaid. It's and men have this problem a lot, but women do have have also. Before you open your mouth and talk to your husband or your wife or anybody for that matter, what is the impact? Think about it. That's how you develop empathy. First with a thought. What will be the impact of what I'm going to say to this person? How will that person feel? How will that person react? Terence Real brings a poignant story. He had a client that by nature was extremely arrogant. Wealthy, wealthy guy. Had a wife, a trophy wife, you know, one of these model wives that he could show off. Mansion, fancy cars, millions and millions of dollars, large estate. And he had two children that were developmentally delayed. They were actually very sweet children, but they were slow and developmentally delayed. And his relationship towards his children he admitted to the therapist, was hatred. He hated those children. Why? Because it was a blunt on his resume. He had a resume of being wealthy, successful, good-looking, beautiful wife, beautiful house, cars, so on and so forth. And he looked down on his nose as anyone that was deficient. And he looked down at his quote-unquote inferior children. And other people loved the children because they were very sweet and they were kind. Because other people have empathy. Now, he started to teach and help this client develop that empathy. He was working with him for a few weeks. And then a couple of weeks later, he has a session with him and he says, you worked with me on empathy I want to tell you something. I, 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 it worked, and I'm better at it now. And he said, "Tell me a story." He says, "Well, I was take. I decided to take my eight-year-old son to a baseball game. And the, what he did was is very, very often being a kid, you spoil them a little bit. You give them candy and and all this stuff, so they should, you know, enjoy the game also, but be quiet and enjoy their what they're eating. On the way home." In his beautiful fancy car, his eight-year-old boy is in the back seat and he's holding his hand because he's sick, he's nauseous, and he's holding his hand to hold back his vomit. He was afraid to throw up because it would ruin the car and it would, his father would blow up at him. And he was, in a, he was in fear. He was so afraid that he was holding back with his hand from throwing up. 
And his father sent something, turned around, saw him, maybe by a red light or whatever. And he said to the therapist, you know, I looked at him and then I became appalled at myself because he sensed his son's fear of him. And something switched in his mind and in his heart. He told his son, okay, you're sick. Do what you have to do. You need to throw up to feel better. Throw up. Don't worry about it. We could clean the car. I love you. And it's not. And he realized it's not about me. It's about my child who is right now sick. Now again, it comes a long way for someone that was so arrogant for so long to pull himself down all the time. But with work, you could actually change your mindset from hating his inferior kids to loving them. It'll take time, work, but he will get there if he works on it. And all of you could get there no matter how insensitive you were till now on the higher level or shame downward, whichever way you work on it and you will be successful over time. But you have to keep at it. So again, when you're on the higher level, the grandiose, the unhealthy, not in the middle, which is healthy self-esteem, but inflating it above, it blunts your empathy, like we just said, and it also impairs your judgment in your assessment of negative consequences. In other words, you may realize later on that when you were a child or a teenager, when you had some experience that were negative, so you developed a contempt towards either a Rebbe or towards a teacher or towards your own parents, that maybe they threw things on you, maybe they were unjustified. And you took all that contempt that they had for you, whether imagined or real, and let's assume even if it is real, and you take that and either you level it at yourself and thus feel very shameful, or you level that contempt and laser it on others, in which case you feel superior and above yourself. And both husband and wife, for their own sakes, whether they're interacting outside of the house and with themselves, husband to wife, wife to husband, you'll look at yourself and see where you fall in that spectrum. And if you are on the grandiosity, arrogant side, where you are look at contempt and you're critical of others, including your own husband and wife, you can imagine yourself pulling yourself downward to get to a healthy level of the middle ground. And if you feel very down and the contempt is on yourself and extreme shame, you scoop yourself up and you look at yourself like you're level with everyone else. And it's hard work in the beginning. And in the beginning, as you're working on this, when other people look at you, They'll look at you like you're funny, something's wrong, you know, you're trying to act differently, but don't pay attention to them. You keep at it, you keep at it. In the beginning, you'll be faltering because it takes time to get used to. Over time, it'll become second nature. This, what we're talking about here, you know, just to talk about how everything is in Taira or in Chazal, is the Nakuda of that you need two papers in your pocket. One saying, Bishrili Nivra Oilam, because in me the world was created. And another one that says, I am dust and ashes. Because for the person who feels a very, very deep, deep shame on the low spectrum of this graph, and the lower self-esteem, 
he has to take out the paper of Bishvili Nivra Oilam. For me, the world was created. The whole world is a Oilam Mali. And then you build yourself up to the point of healthy self esteem in the middle. Sometimes you may go a little overboard. And now, ooh, Bishvili Nivra Oilam. Then you catch yourself. You go back down. Same thing the other way around. If you are way up there in your, in your grandiosity, in your gaiva, and then you realize you look on off of the ape fair. I can't look down at anyone else. I'm, I'm no better than anyone else, and I'm dust and ashes, and so on. And you pull yourself down to the healthy middle. And if you go too low down, and you start crushing yourself because you're going to an extreme, you catch yourself and move yourself back up. So the idea is, is the constant work at it, Eventually, your feelings of either shame or grandiosity will get weaker and weaker. You'll be able to stay in that healthy middle self-esteem longer till a point where it becomes second nature to you, second nature to your husband or wife, and you start reacting and acting towards each other as wise, healthy adults, and your love starts to grow with one another, your respect starts to grow with one another, and you will recognize you have a real relationship and you begin to realize what a wonderful soul, what a wonderful neshama your spouse is. The idea of healthy self-esteem that is in the middle over here is the capacity to hold yourself warmly and kindly even if you screw up. To explain it this way, if you don't feel bad at all about anything, even if you did things wrong, that's being shameless. That's being grandiose. That's the high point in this arrow. The arrogance, the looking down, if you never feel bad. You need to feel bad when you do something wrong. On the other hand, what other people do is they rip themselves to shreds. That's on the bottom end of the arrow. That is unhealthy shame. What has to happen? Something in the middle. Yes, I did. Yes, I may have done something bad, and I acknowledge it, but I'm a good person. I feel bad about my bad behavior. But I will pick myself up and be the good person that I really am. You cannot love another person unless you love yourself. That's why it says, You shall love your friend. Like you, like you love yourself. You're supposed to love yourself. You're supposed to love yourself in a healthy way. Not give yourself a pass on all your negative behaviors. You don't let it go. You hold on to what you're supposed to correct. But you don't rip yourself to shreds in a way that creates a yish and a despair. So the bottom line of this is you cannot be intimate with another person. With your husband or with your wife. If you're feeling excess shame, which is the lower end, or excess grandiosity of feeling contempt and arrogance towards others, each one, whoever they are or they're at, needs that to develop that healthy middle balance. The wise adult that we were talking about, the healthy self-esteem of that middle ground, that I am a worthwhile, special, good person, but... I'm no better than anyone else. Either I have my gifts, other people have their gifts, and I treat everyone with healthy respect and healthy um, 
love and kavod. And this is the aside in marriage, in that when we get this awareness and we work on these things that we're going to continue to talk about, your marriage will be beautiful. And you will feel a love that you didn't feel ever before, possibly. And you'll feel a closeness that you never thought that you can imagine because you are becoming healthier as a, as a human being. Not just as a husband or as a wife, but as a human being. And ultimately, when you're healthier as a human being, you'll be healthier as a husband and as a wife. Rachel